This is Writers in Tech, a podcast where today's top content strategists, UX writers, and content designers share their well-kept industry secrets. Okay, welcome everyone to Writers in Tech podcast, a podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. Uh, the UX Writing Hub is a platform for UX writers. We have a weekly newsletter, we have a blog, we have the podcast Writers in Tech. We have also the UX Writing Academy, which is our six-month program for people that want to level up their skills and become UX writers. Today, I have a very special guest uh, at the podcast. And uh, his name is uh, Danny Harop Griffiths. That's and me. Thanks for saying I'm very special. <laughs> you are very special. And the reason I'm saying that you're very special is because I have an extremely interesting background uh, working for uh, governments and also startup companies and as a content designer. And today uh, you're going to share with us uh, um, insights and things that you learned along the way. And I'm very happy to have you here today. Yeah, I'll hey, fill you in as best I can. Thank you for the welcome. Of course. So Danny, tell me first of all a little bit about the company that you work uh, today. I know that you work for Mojoman. So can you tell us a little bit what exactly is Mojoman? I, first of all, I read about it. I saw that it's like a um, natural way for men. And it's a bit controversial uh, topic to write about, but a natural way and that helping men with their sexual activities. Am I right? Yeah. So, um, so we've, to start with, uh, we've dropped men from the title. We're now mojo.so uh, to be more diverse. Okay. Um, uh, yeah, I did that in my first few weeks. <laughs> um, part of my... Why you did uh, that? Well, um, as a gay man, a, part of the LGBTQ community being uh, inclusive and diverse is very important to me. It's very important to everyone at, at Mojo. So, uh, yeah, um, they were very happy to, to drop the men. And we are diversifying our content to for, for a much broader range of people. But yeah, uh, we are kind of like masterclass for erections at the moment. Um, all kinds of sexual wellness uh, to do with performance anxiety, porn addiction, uh, relationships, communication about sex, about sexual problems, things that men don't talk about. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really, really exciting uh, company to be part of. Uh, and we are shining a light on on these issues which um, have such a knock-on effect of people's mental health their anxiety and depression and um, yeah being able to have sex in a healthy happy safe way is a really important part of being a human and thank you for sharing that so this is a, an extremely as you said like con things that men don't talk about. Uh, so how does your user interviews look like, for example, when you try to understand how to create better content for their websites uh, and so on and so on? Yeah, um, I'm, I'm very big on user research. I think um, as a content designer, 
um, anything that we write is only as good as, as what we have heard from our users. It's all about user needs. It's all about what the user wants and, and what we can do for them. So, uh, yeah, we've uh, been lucky to have a, a bunch of guys uh, talk to us very openly about their problems. Uh, they're very happy that there's a space for them to to communicate in this way. We're we try we're trialing a bunch of of new products over the next few weeks and months. One of them is called Mojo Connect, where um, men can talk openly about their problems. Um, we're doing uh, erection coaching with psychosexual therapists, uh, which are proving to be very popular. Um, but yeah, uh, explaining what we do um, and what the platform is for is is has been a, a bit of a challenge uh, writing it in a clear way i'm sure lots of people have come across um by ads for medic certain medications um and yeah that they, they usually end up in their spam folder we're trying not to end up in people's spam folders because we're offering a much more comprehensive solution to men's mental health and uh, sexual wellness. Uh, yeah, so it's a, it's a challenge, but it's a really exciting one. That's amazing. So let's go <clears throat> back a little bit before we will talk about your current challenges at okay. Mojo. Um, so I know that you have background working with, uh, let's say, on, on projects that are completely um, going to the other way, like uh, working for governments and are extremely, you know, much more, uh, I would say, less colorful. Yeah, I've worked on some very uh, political, highly political uh, content and projects for a wide range of government departments in the UK. Mm-hmm. Things that have impacted Brexit and trade negotiations and how how people will get their goods across the border, things that at one point were changing week by week, and our content would have to change to reflect that so uh, I'm used to working in in high profile stressful sometimes stressful um, government organizations where Things change a lot where there are a lot of people, a lot of policy people, a lot of very clever scientists and data experts who who provide very well written complex content that we then need to translate into something that everyone can understand and that is uh, that's a big challenge working in government organizations, making sure that the message comes across uh, because things are things can be complicated anything to do with money is complicated anything to do with borders and trade and health and all these kinds of things i've worked on all these projects and yeah what 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 it comes down to for me is what's best for the user um are we are we meeting the user need this is something that i say a lot of content designers love user needs or they should do um yeah and then uh, <clears throat> except for understanding the user needs is there similarities these days that you feel like 
uh, that you bring from your background working with governmental stuff and um, what you're doing today with Mojo? Some similarities? Similarities are definitely need to talk to the users and find out what their pain points are. Uh, other similarities? Being aware of people's opinions and being aware that everyone is a writer, but that doesn't mean that everyone's writing is suitable for, for users. So uh, people have different backgrounds. Maybe they're writing in an academic style or they're writing, they think they need to use big words to sound, to get a message across for it to sound important enough or to sound clever. Or if it needs, if there's something, if there's legal copy, it has to keep legal terms. None, none of these things are really correct. Um, I always try to write in a way, in a conversational way, as if I was talking to, to someone um, and use the words that people would use. And use things like contractions, like I'm and uh, we're, rather than I am and we are, uh, because that's how people talk, and that's that's what's mo most readable for people. Mm -hmm. Creating more uh, conversational kind of uh, content. Yeah, so, that's the that's the aim. Whatever it's about. Very cool. <coughs> All right. So, what are the biggest challenges that you have today? Biggest challenge we have at Mojo. Uh, biggest challenges for me at the moment. Uh, I'm doing all the words, so everything from Google Ads and UX copy to blog posts and um, transactional copy. So uh, there's there's a lot to do. So I've introduced. Um, our jar methods so we, we started to do sprints and stand-ups and we're a new team getting to know each other uh, working very closely with a, a brilliant product designer um, and yeah uh, the challenges are we want to do so much and we can only do so much in the, in the time we have so uh, we're trying new products um, putting them in front of users seeing if they work and if they do we'll keep them if they don't then we'll try something else so it's it's great to work in in a startup like this uh, it, the benefits are you get to have an impact straight away uh, I would say that is one of the main benefits of working in a smaller team in startups in general you really get to make your mark and to try stuff and to test stuff and 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 learn by doing in bigger organizations you have more support and more structure but the processes are a lot slower because there are a lot more people to talk to and a lot more a lot more sorry my my uh, slack has just gone off <laughs> no and um, i want to ask if uh, i know that you are i would say a wellness writer. You work also for Babylon Health in the past. Uh, so would you consider to be Mojo more of a wellness product or more of an online education product like Masterclass? I think it's definitely a mixture of both. It's uh, educating 
people about wellness in a way they probably hadn't thought of before. Um, I definitely didn't realize there were so many different issues that men could have, um, so many different sexual issues caused by psychological problems, caused by stress or anxiety or the body's fight or flight system. Um, so I've been learning a lot. So yeah, it's educational and wellness at the same time. Uh, different to Babylon Health, which is health, booking appointments with doctors and uh, tracking blood pressure and uh, mental health uh, through um, a specific tool for doing that. So yeah, there's a, a real distinction between self-improvement through wellness, educational resources, and more specific professional advice from, from doctors. Um, I think there's a lot more space for creativity in in the wellness space uh, for how you put your message across, how you present things, how you include tone of voice and make things make things friendly, make things fun. Um, something that I really liked about uh, what you did with Mojo. Can you hear me? Okay. Something that you, I really liked about uh, what you did with Mojo is that, okay, the name of the actual startup was Mojo Man. And um, as a writer, and I don't know if it's because uh, uh, the community that you're part of or just because uh, the person that you have, but you said, all right, so I know about different scenarios and my, people that might be, you know, um, excluded from this name even of this platform so now we're going to change the name because it's not right to call it mojo man but we're going to call it mojo and with that thing you actually made it much more inclusive for uh, many people that uh, otherwise would never use uh, this platform so um, I would love to hear your thoughts about you know as a writer creating more inclusive experiences and, uh, you know, how, how did you have that idea? How confident were you to talk with the founders and tell them to change their name? And how did they actually agree to do so? Okay, so the founders were, were really happy to, to, to do this. Um, they had been thinking about it already. So mm -hmm. um, when I came to them with a really strong suggestion and the reasons why, how we could diversify our content, um, the term men applies to lots of people, not just people who are um, born with certain chromosomes. It's not just about our DNA. It's about our, our identity, what we think of ourselves as. Um, I would like to open the platform up to trans users and non-binary users and uh, the partners of and and set and other people's partners because uh it's a lot of the content is is also geared towards partners communicating with your boyfriend or girlfriend or a significant other um and becoming mojo has uh, given us the room to do that um and in terms of writing for more inclusive experiences um i had a project at babylon health where 
we were looking at the very difficult question of sex at birth and um, doctors needed um, to know that from a biological perspective because of the algorithm that would would screen people for breast cancer or prostate cancer but some of our users felt excluded by this so uh, i was working on a journey that would um, allow more inclusivity around this so we were exploring use of pronouns we were exploring how what how we might how we might ask this question and without without causing offense because asking a trans person um, maybe someone has been living as a woman for 25 years and if they asked their sex of birth uh, this was is not an identity that they that that is them anymore so um it could be quite it can trigger a, a really negative emotional response so it's a it was a really sensitive uh, topic and um it's really hard to get right um but yeah, I really enjoyed working on that project and putting forward my recommendations for that. It's it's a really tricky one, and I think it'll take a while for it to for it to work and for it to be resolved. Mm -hmm. And some people would say, like, uh, um, are we getting here too politically correct? Are we trying too hard? Uh, and what would you say to people that say stuff like that? People who say that are normally um, white privileged guys um, working in a swanky office in a rich city somewhere. Um, mm -hmm. It's very easy to trivialize other people's life experiences if, uh, if we don't have any lived experience of them ourselves. Uh, we've seen that recently with uh, the Black Lives Matter movement with people saying all lives matter and stupid stuff like that. So I think, um, I don't think, I think, I think political correctness is a bit of an annoying term. Um, I feel like including everyone should just be the go-to mm -hmm. and it's it's really not that difficult to to be inclusive um you just need to treat everyone as humans and we are all equal whatever we identify as however we look wherever we come from and content design is a great way of of, of celebrating that if it's done well <coughs> I agree, um, and uh, I I really believe that we should include also in the table people uh, from many different uh, uh, parts of the um, country, from the different communities, to you know to say uh, what they have to say, and we we shouldn't design experiences that say. A pregnancy app only like by uh, free white uh, designers because that could never 
work and I feel like in the history of human uh, <laughs> um, this is like we designed every system uh, even the medical system by men and women had to adjust themselves to that system and and that's just weird so that's yeah uh, I really agree with you on that we've had a we've had a, a huge amount of, of social change in the last I'd say the last 20 years but even in the last 10 years when I was a, a, a teenager growing up gay in South Wales in the late 90s when the spice girls were <laughs> were everywhere and girl power and was was <laughs> the the top thing um things have changed a lot since then i was uh, there was one gay bar where i lived um, there didn't really there wasn't really much visibility of of, of lgbtq people in, in media uh, in sport and in, in politics and that has changed a lot um but how we provide products and services are uh, taking a while to catch up in some places but it, it makes sense from a, a business point of view everyone everyone on the spectrum um, the rainbow has um, is a potential customer so excluding people is is bad for business um, as well as being bad for the soul <laughs> so uh, yeah inclusivity wins amazing and let's say that uh, um, I really want to um, make uh, my products inclusive and you know maybe I, we have a company that has been around four years now and there is some fundamental things that needs to be changed so what are the first steps we need to do if we want to make that change and create more inclusive experiences and to speak to more audiences and What's your take on that? And um, I've said this, I've said this already to do with content design, and it's my answer for for most things. Talk to the users, talk to the people that you want to include, and ask them what they need from you, um, what they want to see, what they would like for content, how they would like to be referred to, what mm -hmm. their <clears throat> excuse me what their pain points are, uh, what their values are, and how can you reflect that in your product or service? Thank you. And based on your research uh, from Babylon Earth, um, let's say that we're creating right now a, a form and uh, we're trying to make it uh, gender inclusive. This is a challenge that I had when I did a salary survey a few weeks ago and uh, I didn't have enough uh, research data Uh, so I just uh, tried my best. But uh, based on your research, let's say that people need to ask right now uh, the gender of the person. So what would be the best way to do that? So we were just at the start of this discovery at Babylon Health um, when I left Pomojo. So uh, I'm not sure what the outcome of their research is. But um, my recommendation would be to only ask it if you need to. Like you, do you really need to know if someone is 
male or female or intersex? Do you really need to know someone's sexual background? Um, ask them their pronouns if you're going to be referring to them on on the phone or via email. Uh, but only ask if these things if you need to. And um, otherwise, treat everyone the same. Understand. Simplicity is often um, is often key. <laughs> Got it. Um, all right, uh, a lot of stuff to think about here. Um, and uh, do you feel sometime um, as a gay man? Can I say? Yeah, yeah. sure. Okay. <laughs> Um, that you are uh, excluded today in 2021 from um, specific uh, digital experiences, for example? That's, um, that's not something I've thought about for a while. Um, it means that uh, it's a good thing, I assume. Yeah, it probably does mean it, it's a good thing. Um, no, I, I've, I, I haven't felt excluded. Um, there are there are specific apps for the LGBT community, uh, specific news and media. Um, Netflix, for example, have got a bunch of um, a bunch of LGBT shows, um, gay characters. Uh, there is a non-binary character in Star Trek Discovery. I'm a big Star Trek fan. Um, yeah, if uh, content designers rule the world, then I think things would end up looking like Star Trek in a few hundred words. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm thinking more about your question. Um, I have... ADHD, so I feel more excluded um, as someone with neurodiversity rather than to do with my sexuality. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that some organizations are very open to part-time working and flexible hours and looking at their staff's balance between their life and, and their work and and an understanding that if someone is healthy and happy they're going to get the best out of them and maybe that's not five days a week I feel um, <clears throat> I feel that the more flexible a company is to to how how we work as individuals the better they'll get out of them and as a content designer as a creative person, uh, I tend to work at like 80 miles an hour, uh, which means it's hard to do that over five days. Um, so I find if I have a rest day in the middle of the week, then I'm, I'm going to be producing a lot more work than if I was working over five days. Um, how that relates to... So typical ADHD... Oh, it, relates, it relates to the question because... Yeah. Yeah, I definitely understand what you're saying here about feeling excluded 
as a person that have ADHD because I have also adult ADHD. Yeah. Also, I, I had like <laughs> young person ADHD, but I wasn't diagnosed. And that was a hell because <laughs> I was excluded from the education system of Israel. Uh, I just couldn't do it. I was a smart young person and the system just didn't get it. And I felt really, really bad and stupid. And um, that's tough, man. That's yeah, really tough. I'm sorry to hear that. And I can relate completely because I only had a diagnosis four years ago. So um, I have grown up all my life understanding that I'm processing information in different ways. Um, I can think of a hundred, not a hundred, I can think of 10 solutions to a problem outside the box, creative ideas and solutions. I can spot errors in microcopy and, and forms quicker than most people. Uh, but something like doing my laundry or washing up, something that involves sequencing and putting things in order, then that can be tricky. So uh, that can that kind of thing can translate into digital services. If a form is unnecessarily wrong, uh, long, if you have to input the same information more than once, uh, things that don't link together very well, I feel that my ADHD makes me a better content designer because I've got a real sensitivity to the user experience from a much broader outlook. Wow, I had never thought about it like that. But to be honest, there is a big reason that uh, uh, the reason that I'm uh, an okay UX person, um, or maybe a, a bit above average. Ah, come it on, would you're be... great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. Uh, so it would be because uh, I'm also feeling really sensitive. You know, like I'm getting distracted really fast when the experience is bad, when the form is too long, and when you name it with, you know, different principles of UX, like, I don't know. Like, afterwards, you name it. You say, okay, this is the paradox of choice. There was too many items on the screen. But um, it was very intuitive to me that this experience is just shitty, and it must be designed in a different way so I could communicate with it. Yeah, if I'm if I'm buying something and it's... It, it takes too long to put it in the cart and enter my card details and then verify something. I just I just close the tab and start reading a news article. Um, yeah, so things like this need to be simpler for me. I just don't have the time or the mental energy to to to, to waste spending spending them on badly designed products and services. So. When I can improve a product or service, uh, I I do as much as I can when I'm working for them. Very cool. And um, okay, as a person, and and by the way, I feel like um, we live in some kind of uh, an attention economy right now. So I feel like many of our listeners, even if they're not diagnosed people with ADHD, they might relate. You know different experiences like uh, I wouldn't name any social network right now but maybe every social network is fighting on our attention right now with you know notifications and endless scrolling and stuff that makes us you know hooked to those experiences 
And many people with ADHD or without ADHD might relate to the fact that they're feeling, you know, a little bit maybe unbalanced or maybe that they're a bit out of hand or they have problem to wrap their thoughts about something. So my question is, what tips can you give us to help us to be more organized, to, you know, to eventually uh, live in this, you know, all of these noises around us? Yeah, we have information overload for sure. And it's got, it's getting worse and worse. And yeah, certain social media apps have become worse for this as well. Um, I would recommend deleting them from your phone. All right. <laughs> um, for a week, see how it goes. See. I just shut down my notifications, by the way. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not brave enough to delete them. Oh, um, I've deleted a few, a few, a few social media apps um, from my phone, and um, yeah, just to give myself a bit of headspace. Uh, I'm not going to miss much if I don't use um, something for a week. I don't need to be on it constantly. Um, one very popular social media platform I used to check every ten minutes. Um, maybe five years ago, um, cons- it, it was, it was, it really was consuming my life, and um, yeah, it's un- it's unhealthy. Um, but setting setting clear time for no screen time is important. I put my phone on do not disturb um, throughout the day. I try not to look at my phone first thing in the morning because I'll get sucked into replying to messages or reading the news. I try and go for a jog or get down to some writing or to do something like this. Um, in terms of my uh, my professional work as a content designer, I use tools like Trello, which I think are super useful. Um, Asana is also great. Um, anything that can organize thoughts and ideas in a visual way. Um, you'll probably see behind me on my wall a ton of post-its. <laughs> uh, um, yes, I can see them clearly. Yeah. Many colorful, sticky notes. Yeah, you're missing out, it's, listeners. Um, <laughs> it's like different colors or different uh, type of tasks. Um, that should be the case, but no, um, I haven't mm. color coordinated them yet. But there is a poster on the wall which says "color coordinate posted." So at some nice. point, I will do that. So, mm-hmm. so yeah. Um, and I've I've introduced this kind of um, this kind of technique of externalizing thoughts um, and visualizing them, which is a great technique for people with ADHD. I've integrated this into. Uh, into the work I do on um, content design and content strategy. So using tools like Trello and like Miro. Um, oh, I love Miro. Yeah, Miro's fab. Um, showing the and showing all the screens in a user journey, um, the user flow to to see everything together, and then look at the words that are used throughout. Um, could we lose a few screens and make it make Make it make people get to the checkout faster. 
um, is something unclear or do we change terminology? Um, I really find tools like this where everyone can collaborate, especially when most of us are working remotely at the moment. Um, these are really, really important things. And um, I like to make phone calls. I like to speak to people. I like to see people read body language. I hate over communicating um, with with texts um, on um, messaging apps. Uh, I feel that there can be a lot of noise and it can be hard to find out what is chat and what's like an important message. So um, I pick up the phone as much as I can or set up a Zoom call and and talk to people that way. All right. I feel like we can talk about this topic for hours and hours uh, yeah. and how to create better you know, life uh, for us people with all of this uh, information and yeah. uh, overload. It's crazy. But I think, uh, I think these tips are, are useful for anyone living in this uh, current information age. So I agree. Yeah. And uh, I, I, we have two more questions. Okay. And uh, so uh, the next question I want to ask is, uh, I know that you are a contractor at Mojo, right? So yeah. what is the, what's the future holds? Which kind of projects do you envision yourself um, and that you would like to do in what kind of, uh, would you like to still be in wellness or would you like to do something uh, uh, different? What are you up to? Well, at the moment, I love it at Mojo. Um, I'm not sure how long I will be staying as a contractor with them um, because I want to live in Berlin again. I love Berlin. They're a London-based startup, and I miss Berlin. I miss my friends there. I miss um, the sense of freedom I have there. Um, I just miss the vibe and I miss miss the energy of the city. Um, I I feel a bit like the Mary Poppins of startups <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> I like to come in and um, shake things up a bit, put in strategies, get things ticking along and moving over. And then when I feel like... Um, things are behaving well without me, then I fly off with my umbrella somewhere else. If people haven't heard of Mary Pop Poppins by now, they're going to be really confused by this analogy. Um. <laughs> um, to be honest, I never, I never uh, saw the movie of Mary Poppins, <laughs> but uh, you know, you know, I've, I've been living on this earth. I know about Mary Poppins. Okay, you know? I'll, I'll send you a link. And <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I found it really interesting. So um, it's like being, um, you know, this type of person that know how to come into a startup or to an organization that have a lot of, you know, challenges right now. And to and how funny is it that the person with the HDHD is doing so much content organization <laughs> uh, for a company, right? Yeah. Um, Who would believe? Exactly. Um, my brain is a bit like an octopus um, or a cloud with all the thoughts kind of um, 
jumbled around. So if I see something that's disorganized, then I like to put them into order. Um, and um, yeah, startups, when they are early, have tons of ideas floating around, um, a bit like how ideas are floating around in my brain. So um, I'm just thinking about this now for the first time. Um, perhaps, yeah, this yeah. Is, perhaps this is why uh, I like to to come in with my very structured strategy guidelines and best practice for content design and usability and research and uh, agile project management methodologies. How I work is very, very structured and um, very, very clear with clear goals and clear outcomes and clear ways of doing things, which is very different to how um, very different to what's happening inside my brain. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure how it gets from one to the other, but it but it does. <laughs> uh, interesting. I love the analogy to the octopus brain. That's why I love Miro so so much. It's because I feel like I have like a canvas for the first time, yeah. which is not linear or horizontal or whatever, but a really interesting canvas with different templates even, even though I don't use the templates much. And with your octopus brain, you can throw in ideas and it's endless. You know, it's like... Yeah. Etern- and Miro is uh, fabulous. Yeah. And you can have post-its on Miro as well. So... Um, exactly. Yeah. So how it's... Yeah. Everyone should get one. <laughs> yeah. I just uh, upgraded my uh, account to premium this week. And it's not a commercial to Miro. Come on. But yeah. if you work with Miro, talk to me. And I love to tell you how I love your product. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, my last question. My last question is, and that's a difficult one, and it's the first time we're doing it, but I feel like we're going to do it from now on because uh, I'm speaking with so, much, so many talented writers these days. And, you know, I want more listeners to the podcast show. So my question is, how do you think we should name this episode? in order to attract more people to listen to it. Wow. Okay. So it will also correlate with the content as well, you know? Oh, right. Okay. It needs to correlate with the content. Um. It must. <laughs> it must. It must. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I, in my mind, I don't know. The first, I want to, make, I want to go extremely uh, controversial, you know, just because clickbaity maybe even. Yeah. I, I don't know. Uh, maybe something like uh, let's talk about sex, something like that. But afterwards, we start talking about ADHD, which is a completely different topic. And I, I don't feel like we should, you know, uh, I feel like we should mention the fact that we talked about ADHD as well. Hmm. Um, how about something that sounds like something someone with ADHD might say? Uh, so a bit random, like how ADHD can become a content design superpower and directions. Oh, wow, that's a good one. How ADHD can be, wow, I love that. Yeah. I could never think about something as smart as this. But with and directions at the end to give it the randomness element. 
Which one? Which one? And directions. Oh, and direction. <laughs> Just at the end. <laughs> so what should be the name? The full name? <laughs> full name. Um, how <laughs> ADHD can be a content design superpower and directions. Whoa, that's... Quite a title. Uh, what a title. Yeah. Are we going to edit this bit out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Should we? No. No. Um, interesting. I love that. Okay. Uh, so, Danny, <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. Uh, if people want to reach out to you and talk to you, where would be the best way to do that? LinkedIn is good for me. Okay. Um, how else? Yeah, not on the other social media because I've, uh, I'm not trying not to. You the apps. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cool. And uh, if you have. Cool. And delete your social network apps on your phone. And if not, just maybe remove the notification. It might give you some headspace. Yeah. So that's about it. Thank you so much. <laughs> Pleasure. <laughs> Lovely talking to you. Thank you. Thank you. And once again. <coughs> This was Writing in Tech, a Writers in Tech podcast brought to you by the UX Writing Hub. Uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us today. And uh, check out our website, our weekly newsletter. We have also a job board if you're looking for a UX writing project. And uh, also check out our free course. We have a free UX writing course on our website, and you might love it. So check it out. Thank you, Danny. Thank and you. No problem. And have a great day. Uh, day everyone. Ciao.